A podcast network. On Van Dyke Parks. And I, uh, how, what, what am I supposed to say? <laughs> Sorry. Um, you're listening to Radio 8 Ball with Andras Jones. I'm Van Dyke Parks, and you're listening to Radio 8 Ball with Andras Jones. <laughs> Back to Radio 8 Ball, the show where we answer questions by picking songs at random and interpreting those randomly chosen songs as the answers to the questions, like picking musical tarot cards. I'm your host, Andras Jones, hanging out here at Starburns Industries with a little band you've gotten to know called Velvet Starlings. Hey, Velvet Starlings. Hello, Andra. Hello. And now, joining us in the studio... It's a man who was uh, pretty much until today, he's the only starling I've known. I mean, we kind of had you, Christian, on the show, oh, yeah. our Kinks tribute. You called in and asked a question. But other than that, you've been a voice on a phone, a face on a web page, and the man who has been representing the band to us and helping, helping me pull all this together is the, your, your, your collaborator as a songwriter, your manager in the band. And I believe your dad. All those things are true. Welcome to Radio Eight Ball, Roger Gisborne. Hello. Do you are your are your songwriting compositions credited as Gisborne and Gisborne? You know, I'd have to go look on ASCAP. That would be BMI in your case. We could just call uh, it oh, Gisborne. Wait, Gisborne. one Gisborne of you is Gisborne. ASCAP and one of you is BMI. Oh, you're, it's always better to have two different PROs. Oh yeah, because when you get in a sync. Imagine, you know, you get a song in, like, Grey's Anatomy or something, and then I, I get $500 and he gets a grand. Then, then I can call them up and go, what's the, what's the problem with that? We're 50-50 on that. You know? Good idea. See, so, yeah. this is why you're going to go far, because you have someone helping you figure this stuff out at the beginning. My publishing catalog, my catalog is a mess, because I didn't, I wasn't thoughtful about it at the beginning. So. And I was just getting mine into order for, for all these years. Not just mine, but, like, all the artists that I represent, all the publishing that I represent in... Other areas. Well, we've been we've been focusing on the Velvet Starlings here, yeah. on Velvet Starlings here, but uh, but obviously you have a, a your own storied career in this yeah. business. You've run a label. You said, what can you give us like the yeah, give you the, the back, bullet points? Yeah, backstory, backstory. Uh, so basically, I didn't really start writing songs until you know much later. Actually, I was I think I was about twenty one. Uh, my my mother played. Uh, acoustic and she was a bit of a folk singer moved to England in the in the 70s or so I wouldn't be around met my dad I think she wanted to meet somebody more um, 
prominent in the music uh, uh, artistry, but uh, ended up meeting him, and he had no talent whatsoever. Couldn't sing, can play, can write a song. So anyway, so that happened. I guess that's love, you know. But he must have been a good-looking guy. Because he was. He the Gisborne guys are you're, you're good-looking gents. Yeah, he definitely was the Austin Powers of Leicester City, yeah. He oh. was walking around with that sort of look. He was the lovable rogue. A lovable rogue from Leicester. Uh, yeah. Uh, that, that was his thing. So anyway, so um, yeah, came out here. My mother's you know American, so got loads of family in California. So c- of course came out here, at, you know, at a certain point. And uh, the British rock thing was going on at that point. You know, Verve, Oasis, all those lot, uh, all those kind of bands. So anyone with a you know, I'd say decently nice leather jackets from the 60s with cool 60s haircuts was getting record deals and publishing deals so that's that was, what I didn't do and that was what you know and I think that's what it was and so we just started playing a couple of the clubs around LA and we were like the British band that lived in LA sort of thing so we what, were some, we what were was your band? Together. the band was called Plasticine Plasticine Porters with looking glass ties right yeah so we are very you know, so the Beatles have it's always been brainwashed into my mind, you know, as I'm sure it has into Christians and anybody else I come come across. Because there'll usually be a, I'm a Lennon fan, you're a McCartney fan. Let's have a long conversation that just lasts forever, and we'll just keep doing the Lennon and Paul fight with songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, so that was my thing. So I just started writing songs, uh, played a couple of shows. I think it was like the Roxy was the first show, uh, where it was you know pay to play sort of thing and, and I was living in Ventura County so it was very difficult to get shows so then we would come, come out we started playing shows and um, Rodney had come to some of our shows and then after a while I think he even brought Brighton Wilson to a show at, uh, at the Roxy and I remember saying Rodney's here and I was like oh yeah it's nice to see Rodney again so Brian Wilson's with him. You better get down from you know top of uh, the Roxy that you know that that top room with the green yeah. room, and uh, it was just like wow. And then a couple of labels started coming about, sniffing about, offering deals and here and there and that. So and then yeah, so we got into that, got a, got the record deal. But to be honest, bringing the wisdom to the Velvet Starlings and the other artists that I work with. Don't do more partying than writing songs, and uh, and you'll do better in the career. So we were yeah. a band, and a lot of us we did a lot of partying and hanging out more than serious, you know, songwriting. And plus, I refused to co-write with anyone. I was I had this like, you know, I'm walking around with like red corduroys and, and no shoes into the record label, giving them seven minute long sitar songs and things. It was it was weird. And they weren't ready for radio, I don't think, those songs. They weren't ready for prime time. Oh, you don't know. They don't know. That, what the world needs is more seven-minute-long sitar songs. Yeah. So anyways, long story short, even this long, um, got out of that game and then realized that songwriting was what I really enjoyed more than anything and creating something you know, from what I call plugging into the, the universe. So it's like I, I, to write songs, you guys were talking about it a lot today, where it's like... Uh, there's a certain thing and certain things work for people that don't work for others and yeah. it's, for me it's like I'm not uh, musically trained I can't read or write music but I know I can take a D, C and a G and write a different melody and a lyric that somebody else hasn't done somehow even though there's only so many you know notes to sing you know and that's that's that thing where I feel like I look at it as like plugging into that amp like it's either you know, quarter inch cables plugged in and it's still making a noise and it's not quite connecting to the to the universe or the direct you know thing for me to receive something or it's plugged all the way in and you're just going to receive it and get it and it's coming from somewhere else you know it's not coming 
sometimes I don't even think it's coming from me when I'm writing the song. Or I, I think Lenin would have felt something like that when he was writing. It could be Strawberry Fields or any of these songs where it's just like it's just beamed in. Yeah. Him. Yeah, that's how he described it. That's definitely how he described yeah. it. So, well, let's uh, let's get into your question for the Pop Oracle. You know, mm-hmm. you've been watching this. You've been sitting here. By the way, what do you think about this? That you you, oh. you you've seen this whole show. I've I've really enjoyed it. I mean, I didn't totally know what to expect, but I because I'd been watching. I'd watched some of them and listened to some of the things mm-hmm. uh, of the radio uh, April shows, and um, and I just thought it was just like. All the guests sort of came together in the last minute, but in a cool way. Where mm-hmm. it's like, with meeting Larry, you know, just what less than two weeks ago, it, it, <laughs> it's like, oh, we're doing this thing, Radio Eight, but maybe you'll be into it. And it's like, sort of explain it to him, and then he ended up knowing all these other, all these other threads, these common threads with these people, whether it yeah. be Spud and Al Jardine, he'd written with Al Jardine. All these things were sort of coming around, coming together. I mean, Ron Dante would have, would, would have been a nice you know, I don't know, we, icing on the we cake. We don't know anything about that. Yeah, The audience doesn't know that he would. Now you outed it. Oh. Yes, we almost had Ron Dante of the Archies, but he's busy. He's a busy guy. He's busy. He's on a sugar high. Yeah. Sugar, sugar. Oh, yeah. honey, honey. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So, so, and I, and I think that it's really. And you and I had only spoke on, uh, talked to each other on the phone yeah. and stuff like that. But we always had a long conversation about just different stuff, just talking about things. And then when we finally met you, to met you today, it was like the the vibe was just like this is just a, such an easy vibe to just yeah like float along with, and it's not like. Oh, when are we going to get out of here? Let's get out of here. Let's try to make up something so we oh, we have to be somewhere else. You know what I mean? I've seen fans do that, mm-hmm. even in writing sessions. Yeah, you know, like sometimes you do a co-write with someone. Yeah, and you know, I've written with everyone from. I refuse to co-write with anyone. I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I've, no, no. Now only seven long sitar songs with my bare feet and my go. red cord. <laughs> there you go. Now, now, I mean, nowadays I've written with you know Aaron from A War Nation, you, you know Noel from Fist in the Tantrums, even stuff with Miley, and it's like everybody's a different vibe, but it's like. Um, you mean Miley yeah, Cyrus? Yeah, with yeah, Oh, you just, so. just just Miley. Yeah, that okay. one. Okay, I don't know. And she's a super huge Pink Floyd fan. I, I think I just sat and talked with her about like Sid Barrett, and I was like, "Wow, you know a lot about Sid Barrett. This is great," you know. So when, when we did that session, and um, but what I'm saying is like you'll be in these sessions, and, and and it could be you know like Larry said with one of the you know the your biggest uh, idols that you couldn't wait forever to write with, and it's like okay, the sessions here, the days here can't come up with a word come out can't come up with the melody even though you know you're sitting across from somebody else and they've like come up with hits all their lives and you're like oh that melody he's coming up with is not very good it's like oh my god it's like total letdown or i'm letting him down i'm letting her down or whatever it is well so, now you know you know they got my you know my secret now what's your secret i write the dumbest song you, that's oh, when you yeah, can't when you got song. nothing just do you know it's like you know that Elvis Costello song? Don't you know how to be dumb? Oh, from yeah. uh, the rec, from uh, I think it's from the other side of summer. That record, yeah. and that no, Mighty Like a Rose is the name of the record. Right. And I've always thought like that's if that if you're ever in a writing session like that. First of all, though, it's great about it in a writing session is because it then it lets the other person be smart, and then you just get to you know, and they get to come up with something smart on top of your dumb idea anyway that's not true. to give you advice just no, saying that's true use it if you ever if you ever need it you ever get in that problem i guarantee dumbest idea best idea yeah to I start like, with organic organic writing sessions are the best and that's why one of the things you know to what i do with the the label santa's three rock and roller it's just a, a bands and artists of that i want not that i just want to develop 
but it's just like it's music that's you know organic songwriting guitar music i do co-write with a lot of the artists on there but if there's not a vibe or anything i don't really it's not even really worth signing with us because it's yeah. like there has to be that whole vibe going around right in songs in the 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 aesthetic the and uh, the the, even in the, the instrumentation it's like if you're trying to do like an EDM record I'm probably not the best person to go to because it's not something I'm well this show is the pick on EDM to. show alright then if you're trying you're to not do, the first one I mean people have been trashing EDM since they we started because well I guess because you're around real guitars and real musicians and you're like it's just pushing buttons and going bleep blop doesn't quite have the same nah and then some of these songwriting no sessions, offense to droids and there's six or seven writers on a song now I yeah. mean uh, you know some of the songs that I own publishing in from being in a publishing company with my partner Paul Palmer is a decently known publisher guy and uh, from the day but it it's one of those things where it's like you'll see okay there's six writers on this and it's like we've got 15% or what and then we oh you did three lines on the verse it's it's just not my bag you know yeah when they uh, when they uh, the that song from Star is Born won the Academy Award and four people come up. I was like, you really took four people to write that song? You're kidding me. <laughs> Sha-la-la-la-la. <laughs> right. Anyway, so uh, let's let's get into your question for the Pop Oracle and stop stop trashing other songwriters. That's uh, just what I, I do. Thank you. So, uh, so we have, uh, so first of all, what is your question for the Pop Oracle? Well, my question, being the manager of the Velvet Starlings and uh, the job don't ever stop. Yeah, got that going on. So, um, Woodstock 50th is coming up. We've been hearing about it all show. As, as we have, and we should be. Uh, the original Woodstock, obviously amazing. Uh, everything I do is influenced by the 60s and the sounds of it. And, you know, Joe Cocker's performance of that was just, like, amazing. And that's the kind of thing that you want to see at a festival. Mm-hmm. And I don't see as much of that these days. So for that to come back around, Joe's not with us anymore, so he's not going to be there. But some of the other artists that were originally there that Michael Lang had booked, you know, that's that's amazing. And some of the really great artists of today, you know, with Raconteurs, uh, Casey Elephant, there's, who else is on it? Black Keys. Black Keys. Raconteurs are going to be there? Yeah. Oh, nice. He, he's got some serious, like, rock and roll artists. So my question is, number one, uh, okay, here it is. Okay, what will be the outcome of my efforts and the band's efforts and the energy I'm putting forward to having the Velvet Starlings be added to the and more section of the poster currently? It says and more, all of these bands and more, Woodstock's 50th event. Okay, well, we have two songs left on the board, and one of them is song number two. Amazon Prime and song number six is the second one Emerald Isle and when we're down to two songs we have exhausted the wheel of eight we have used up the radio eight cards we are now down to the binary oracular divinatory tool or as you may know it the coin we call it the radio eight coin now I'm going to ask you to flip the radio eight coin if it lands on heads it's going to be song number two Amazon Prime (laughs) You get a sponsorship for that, or you just join oh, that for it's, free? it's the exact opposite. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, you'll never get a sponsorship from, from Jeff Bezos from this one. And if it lands on tails, it's going to be song number six, Emerald Isle of White. Oh, never mind. Sorry. Ah, so now, White Festival. would you please flip the Radio 8 coin? Oh. 
Oh, I made a deal saying if it was Emerald Isle, then it'll happen. Off the California coast, maybe 47 miles. There's a place to rest your bones. Think it's called the Emerald Isle. Who's the last day of my trip? Dragged my suitcase through the sand. Though I thought I'd miss the boat, it was all part of a plan. I said, wait just a minute, right before my eyes, like a jewel coming out of the sea. Well, she just kind of shimmered with those emerald eyes. She was love from the opening scene. The kind of girl that you'd never believe. Like the palm trees in a cool breeze And if my heart had gone tomorrow morning From a love I could never be free From a love I don't want to be free As my sides can out to play in a rose and green sky Right beside the ocean blue such a tropical delight There's a place you'd like to go All the local sitters right If you want to fall in love Right here on the Emerald Isle Yeah, you can dance with the others Singing all night long All the karaoke patrons agree Cause there's a bar at the back of the El Galio Where the moonlight reflects on the sea And it's a place that you won't want to The palm trees in a cool breeze And if my heart is known Tomorrow morning From a love I could never be free From a love I don't want to be free And when she smiled I felt a million stars ignite Inside of me I kissed the lips Was I hallucinating Ryoki tried and I was lost and I Was my six or seven time and I'm back on through the years Reminiscent of the past, damn it, profit in my ears There was lovers come and gone, no one else would quite compare I was dancing with a ghost, till my sadness Was Emerald Isle the answer to the question from Roger? Will Velvet Starlings be added to the bill at Woodstock 50? Basically, 
basically yeah. what uh, what would the out yeah with the outcome yeah, from our of your efforts. Efforts and energy. All, yeah, everybody's really. So, is this a co? Is this a Gisborne and Gisborne co-write? Yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting story. This one. Uh, so yeah, we'll we'll tell we'll tell Sorry. us the story. So, oh, either you. No. I mean, we. Sh- this is about the Emerald Isle that we later did the research and found out it was. A different Emerald Isle. It was the wrong... We went to Catalina with my brother, another fellow Gisborne. And, uh, yeah, it was kind of like a story that never really happened. It was almost like writing a movie script or something. Because it's like, uh, it's... uh, The the premise of it is you're going to this Catalina, you know, we we based it off on, because there's a bar called... uh, A karaoke bar called the El Galleon. On it, and um, on, and, but there's a place called Emerald Bay, and we thought it was called Emerald Isle. We, I know it's called Catalina, but the back side of it is Emerald something or other. So, and then um, it was just basically based on that karaoke bar, and like there were people in there that were like meeting each other for the first time, and like in relationships or ones that would seemed like they were blossoming that night because they were singing together, whatever it was. I don't know, because there's something spiritual about the ocean. When you're there, yeah. it's like when like Pete Townsend talks about it, a lot of people talk about it. And uh, when we were there on the island, it was before I was really getting into music, but we like did some, I did some, we did some singing, we met some cool people like who were fans of Elvis Starlings now who come to shows. Yeah. It was a really great experience. And actually, like we were doing stuff and like I posted the thing and Alison Hagendorf saw it, the head of Rocket Spotify, and liked it and commented on it. I was like, what? It was kind of one of those things where it was like, wow, maybe music And is- he was in the karaoke uh, club, even though he was, what, 14, I think? And 13. he was in it 14, yeah, 15, whatever you were. And, uh, and it's 21 after a certain ni- time mm-hmm. of night. But he was doing Who songs and all the songs. Everyone, everyone, you've got to remember, it's Catalina. Everyone's drinking yeah. margaritas nonstop. So it's like he's in there doing all these karaoke numbers. And, uh, and we're just sort of people watching, you know what I mean? And, uh, and he's supposed to get kicked out by the bouncer. And then they end Which up eventually both. happened. Yeah, oh. it did happen. But after like three days of him, just like everyone's like, "No, Christian's not leaving. Let him do another song. Let him stay in. He's not. He's not doing anything wrong." So well, uh, so well, what? What do you think about that? Is the answer to the question? Oh. I, I think the answer is really in. I just realized it right now. I had. I had no idea. I heard Emerald. Island. I was like, man, there's. N- I got nothing. Mm-hmm. But now I'm realizing that. The, the synchronicity is that I chose my fa- my mother is also an entertainment lawyer. I I don't know, but you guys were you the most like uh Larry was talking about the most unlikely people. You were like came from a super poor family in Britain and moved <laughs> and he was with my 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 brother. My brother isn't like he's my half brother. He was married to another woman. And was with my mom. He was in this band, a total, you know, Brit rock star, diva, whatever. And my mom comes along, who's like the opposite person, and ended up being his lawyer. And they met. And they, I think you guys planned me out, right? I wasn't an accident. You guys were like, we're going to have Christian and. He's going to like the Beatles and whatever it is. I don't know. Something happened. He was born to the Who. I think you were in labor when Quadrophenia, the Who... Quadrophenia, right? Yeah, Quadrophenia. Oh, that'll, that's, that's great. Because like when the water breaks, yeah, they actually have the sound effects. Yeah. <laughs> Love rain on me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I am the sea. <laughs> exactly. So uh, the, the way I, I, I heard yeah, some yeah, other yeah. Symbolism, uh, symbolism in it and, uh, you know, synchronicity, it's like... Um, 
if we're pertaining to this particular thing on the outcome of the Woodstock thing, it's like um, we played a show in Sweden, a couple of shows last year, and um, the guy that's booking the Summerfest, which is another big festival in Milwaukee. I mean, it's eight days. Who do they have on it now? Is it, it's uh, like Aussie, Aussie, a bunch of people on it. Um, it's like Vampire not Weekend. the most known, but it's the Killers. biggest festival. There's still a lot of big bands. Killers. Jennifer Lopez is double on it, so we're not so yeah. into that. But a lot. So, but anyways, the, the the head booker of that saw them, wanted to book them, and uh, for the Summerfest. So that's why we're kicking off the US side of the tour when we're back in uh, after the UK sort of thing. When they're off for the summer, um, and he happens to be friends with Michael Lang, who is the uh, booker for of the original Woodstock and this one and the main guy behind it. So he's now going to reach out to him and um and do that, you know, and and, and he likes the Velvet Starlings. He's a huge fan of the Velvet Starlings. So mm-hmm. and I just sent him the new unmastered EP and Emerald Isles on it. And he happened to really like that tune. So it's inter- interesting oh. that you know that you that we picked that one or that was the last one on the coin or whatever it was yeah on the coin flip so he really dug that tune so um so we're hoping all these the energies are yeah and uh vibes will come together when he sends out uh the velvet starlings you know pitch to michael lang and michael comes back and goes yeah i, I get it these guys are they embrace and embody the vibe of the 60s and the original you know lineup well i had a couple of ideas uh, first of all, I just want to get, get clear because just syntax wise, mm. it's Velvet Starlings, not the Velvet Starlings. Velvet Starlings, right? But the Velvet Starlings pitch, you said, because the the it's the pitch from yeah. Velvet Starlings. So yeah. I just want because I've been making sure that I get that right as uh, much as I can. Oh, good. So, you know, we don't want to. I, why didn't you? Why didn't you put it like with all the 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 who the sixties stuff? They are all they're all the bands: the Beatles, the Who, the Stones, the Kinks. Not the Pink Floyd. Is that why? Uh, it's, you know, it's Pink Floyd. It's who? It's Santana. It's Cream. It where we got the name. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a couple of them. Like, okay. Would you I like, like the, them as I much as they were the Cream? The, on you, the beginning of it. Oh yeah, but it's you know. I don't get any choices. They the band wins. The band gets to make the choice. So well, what it made me think of there were a couple of things. Yeah. So first thing I thought of was Isle of Wight. The Isle of Wight oh, Festival, yeah. and it made me think, oh, well, may, if it's not Woodstock, there might be some other festival that is cooler or let may, that is that is the right one. And maybe you just never know, again, how the flow of synchronicity is going to go. So that it made me think of that. And then it also made me think of the song Emerald Eyes, which is a Bob Welch song for Fleetwood Mac oh. from the uh, record Mystery to Me. I believe it's called Mystery to Me. And I love that song, and I love that era of Fleetwood Mac, but it's not the most well-known or most successful version of oh. Fleetwood Mac. I mean, the original Fleetwood Mac was from the era that we're talking about right. a lot. They were, you know, they were right there with the Stones and the Beatles and the Yardbirds when it was all breaking in in, in London. Right. And but then, you know, then they became a California band, much like yourselves. Yeah. You know, moving to, from the east to the west that way and they and i love that mid mid era i love like i it, i mean you can't argue with the lindsey steve lindsey buckingham stevie nicks version of fleetwood mac but it 
in a way, because that blew up so much, it makes you even really like the other stuff even more, like the, right. or the Peter Green, Fleetwood Mac. And again, I love, I'm a big fan, I love the Bob Welch version of, of Fleetwood Mac. Some of, the, some of those songs like Sentimental Lady, Emerald right. Eyes, just great, great songs. And so again, it made me have this, it's just made me think about the, the things, it's like everyone talks about Woodstock, right. but... By being big, it just leaves all this cool and interesting space for the other things that weren't as culturally shatter, mind-blowing, but are equally cool. And so when you're talking about this festival in Wisconsin, it's yeah. like, Woodstock, sure. I mean, I hope you guys, I hope you guys get it. I hope you, you get to play Woodstock. At the same time, I have friends who played the second Woodstock, the one they did in the yeah. 90s, and it was they said it was terrible, and they hated it. Yeah. So... And I've read stories about people who played the first Woodstock, and it was terrible, and they hated it. <laughs> the Who? They yeah. just said that they wouldn't yeah. go back. Yeah. So why would you know? So of course, uh. I hope you get the gig you want. But in a way, there's a part of me that would rather that you get to be the Isle of Wight, uh, Bob Welch, cool Fleetwood Mac version of this, and get to have something that's cool and feels good, and has, a, and you have a great time at, and also is successful. Because well, I mean, being in Fleetwood Mac, the Bob Welch version, you they weren't feeling like right. we're in a dumb version of Fleetwood Mac. They were still in Fleetwood Mac, right. and they were still playing amazing shows and having a great career. So I just made me think of sometimes we're shooting for this big thing, mm -hmm. but I mean, if you have talked with Fleetwood Mac, I bet I bet Christy McVie is like you know. I know it was great being big stars and everything, but it was kind of fun before Lindsay and Stevie got here. It was kind of mellow and easier to just go and play some groovy yeah. music. And we don't even get to play Emerald Eyes anymore because we have to play all the hits. Well, here's know? an interesting thing. On, on Then we found out, I was like, well, should we call it Emerald Eyes? Because there's a part in the point it's like she just kind of shimmered with her Emerald Eyes, come at, like a jewel coming out of the sea. You know, Catalina, yeah. right? Because it's very clear there. The water's a lot clearer than it is around these, yeah. this neck of the woods of these beaches. And um, then there's a possibility while we're over in the UK of us playing the U-Bloom Festival in Ireland, in Dublin. And apparently the Emerald Isle is Ireland. Right. <laughs> so that's because... Uh, I think you'd said it or something, and I was like, oh, I'll just go go with it. And I, and I didn't think, because it's like, you know, I'd lived in Ireland for six months myself. So my dad was doing a, going through a fishing phase. Anyways, but uh, he and uh, and he didn't know, because we were going with the Emerald Bay of Carolina. Yeah, because my grandma, she was looking through this magazine. She she like, Emerald like, Isles, yeah. Ireland. It's like, well, what are you going to change all the lyrics? It sounds so good. You know, let's just keep it. Oh, yeah. So, Mistakes, and, you know. Make mistakes make the best poetry. Right. So, anyways, so there's other festival that's happening that we can possibly p play on uh, called the Ublin Festival in Dublin, and that's in a huge, huge park, and there'll be like there'll be like ten thousand people there. Is it a reference to Joyce and Bloomsday and like and Ulysses? Ublin Festival. I could be Ublin I mean, Festival in in Dublin makes me think you have to be. Yeah. It has to be a reference to. It could be. There is are, it Leopold Bloom? Is the name of the character in Ulysses? I don't know. Anyway, sorry. But anyways, but that but that whole so so like you just said about it might not be the Isle of Wight, or I mean, sorry, Woodstock Festival, but the Ublin Festival could end up being just a really cool thing that we did. Yeah. And then ten years from now, if they're like huge rock stars, like I mean. He's done a little video to talk to Michael Lang where he's like, this is the reason why I should be playing it. Not like I, I should because I'm so great, but it's like 
I'm not. There's not going to be a hundredth one with what's going around on in the world right now. There won't be a hundred anniversary of that. You mm-hmm. know, festival. It's just not going to happen. So I, was, I need to play this now if I can. Yeah. <laughs> so because you know it's very centered around the environment and what's going on as the first one, peace, love, and you yeah. know, rock and roll sort of thing. But but I think it ties in. So now when I hear we're all in this room talking about it, it's like. Hmm, the Emerald Isle, you, you and you mentioned it could be a smaller festival that is an amazing just experience, an opportunity that, you know, blossoms into something else. And and the You Bloom Festival is like on the cards, you know. Yeah, yeah and another uh I mean, back to two of the main things Larry was talking about, McCartney and Hendrix, the Isle of Wife Festival, that's what uh, I think McCartney saw Hendrix and was just like, Man, you were just like so like even though he he was established as Paul McCartney then he was yeah. you know biggest thing but he still said I want you to play and he he talked to the people and he got him there and, yeah and eventually some crazy stuff happened with one of these he's holding up his Stratocaster his white one his white Stratocaster not strung for left handers though ah, it's not upside yeah. down anyway uh, well this has been great we have we have one more musical divination to go but thanks for for taking us to Woodstock and to Catalina and yeah. allowing me to geek out on mid-era Fleetwood Mac. Thanks for listening to Radio 8 Ball. We hope today's musical divination brings and brought the sync to you wherever you are. For more info about our show, visit Radio8Ball.com, where you'll find the Radio 8 blog, our Patreon campaign, and where you can download our Radio 8 Ball app that allows you to engage the pop oracle directly in the form of every song ever performed in the history of Radio 8 Ball. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And if you give us good reviews and ratings, that really helps get the word out. Until next time, I'm your host, Andros Jones, wishing you lots of spine-tingling synchronicities, connections with the natural world, and all the inspiration you can handle. It's the Radio Show. It's a good show.